Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John offers a chimpanzee a promotion at NASA and travels back in time to meet Alexander Hamilton, and neither goes well. Meanwhile, I reveal the one thing you don't do on a tour bus and ponder the time that Rush has skipped the first two weeks of February. Plus, a conversation about performing under intense pressure and the most important quality a public speaker can have. Today's episode is not sponsored by Beats. Finally, a vegetable that tastes weird and stains everything it touches. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Coming at you from in studio near Nashville, Tennessee. It's talk about that. I'm John with my co-host Johnny. Near Nashville. What well, I want to be too specific. Yeah. What if someone comes after Parts us? Parts unknown. You know, we have friends who they're very particular about saying where they live or not, and I, I believe in that. So maybe I maybe I give too much information out there. I need to get a PO box, don't I? Like I it feels almost presumptive of me to get a like I'm like, oh, I need protection now, but I notice that now I ship out things, you know, from orders from my Shopify store. You just told everybody now how to. And it's it's my home address. You just still. told everybody. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, what everybody knows. They didn't know. What do they you, have a separate house? They didn't know till you just told Johnny's them. Johnny's got two houses. I don't think you understand how security works. You're like, you know what would be really bad? But people I, figured out that I had my key underneath that rock. Yeah. Johnny, you just told them. You, you think people... Nobody would want to hurt me, do they? No. Who would want to do such a thing? They just want to show up with, like, baked things that they've made for me. Like, I never do, like, I used to tour with Tim Hawkins, and then Nate gets this, too, where people will make things for you. And you're like, oh, it's so sweet. But sometimes it'll be, like, food. Who? Because you'll talk about, and you're like, do I eat this food? Right. You don't know the source. You don't know. And you don't even know if it's any good, but also, like, somebody could be trying to poison you. Yeah. But... Again, to me, make a suit from your skin, <laughs> you know, fans, <laughs> just like they do. I would never assume I was important enough to be poisoned. That's what I mean. I'm right. like, just eat the like Tim had a joke about how these this fun size Snickers is such a rip off. He goes, I don't even like the regular size Snickers. I want like a huge Snicker loaf. <laughs> so there's a dessert that you can make where you just make like a Snicker loaf that you slice like a cake. Yeah. And people would bring Snicker loaves to his shows. Wow. So we'd have them all over the bus, gigantic chocolate bars. And you ate them. I had a bite. Yeah. <laughs> and you, were, bite. you didn't go down. And I didn't. That's the thing, too. You don't want to have any intestinal distress on a bus. No. If you don't know the rules of a bus, uh-uh. you can't go number two on the bus. Right. That ain't why they put it back the there. Bus is, the bus bathroom is for number one. 
Right. So if you're or like, number three. So I always go, yep, yeah, number three. When are you going to be started on number three? <laughs> but I'm always like, well, what if I wake up and I got a little colonic <laughs> issue? They go, you got to you got to make the bus driver pull over. You never want to be that guy of like, Wait. I'm the reason we have to stop at Bucky's. Right, and everybody can. Although, why yeah. would you not stop at Bucky's? You got to stop Bucky's just to do it. Right. But I never. That was my nightmare of like. Did so you I, ever do it? I, I always was fine. I would, somebody else would inadvertently sometimes would be like, we stopped, and I'd be like, I think I'll, I'll get off too. I'll whatever. Or whatever. You, know, like you run right. to the bathroom. <laughs> but so yeah, that's the fear. Is like you know you, on the road. There's certain foods, by the way. I don't know if you don't travel as much as I do, but like, wow. Do you ever, John? You're not as near as successful as I am. I don't want to say eat my dust, but anyway, <laughs> eat my snickle loaf. <laughs> no, but there's just these things that some people don't that don't travel a lot. They don't think about. But like, I've had people say this to me, and I go, "Oh, I didn't even think about that." Like comedians have been doing it for thirty years. They go, "Well, what do you? You don't eat like such and such the day of a show, do you?" And I go, oh, "I just never think of it that way. I just am like whatever." They go, "Like seafood? You don't eat shrimp." I go, what? They go, shrimp could be a mess. Shrimp could be a problem. Uh-huh. I go, I don't know. I just don't think about it that way. I wouldn't if eat I, like. If I want shrimp, I'm going to have shrimp. I'm going to have it. I ate, I ate seafood the night before I spoke with Reggie. Yeah. Like we, that, we just. that work out? It was great. I mean, he and I were taking down. Of, you don't want to get a hold of some bad clams. Well, I get it. We you were don't eating wanna be in a, oysters and the whole deal. Wow. We just went for it. And, yeah. Uh, there's not enough seafood that I. I'm into that's like risky seafood. I don't think like I don't like a lot of fishy fish and oysters. I would have like some fried shrimp. I don't think I've never gotten sick from fried shrimp. For me, fried it, you can fry out purifies it. the process. <laughs> Frying makes it totally yeah. healthy. Yeah, I just think fried food all kind of tastes like fried food. Now yeah. look, a fried coconut shrimp. Sure, then you can really taste something different, but just batter. Yeah. Johnny Batter is just better than the others, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's you just, yeah, it could be rubber bands. You don't know what right. it is. Right. So, I mean, what's the monsters have chicken at that point? Okay. Yeah, now you had me at chicken. But, yeah, so I don't know. There's certain things, like, people simply want to eat Mexican the day of a show because they're like, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't see it that way. I just, I'm like, I just fly by the seat of my pants. The times I've been out with you. And I get really sick and I have to install a fly by the seat of my pants <laughs> to just be able to quickly access. No. <laughs> <laughs> they used to have those in the old days. Yeah, the trap door. Yeah, the old jammies that you'd wear with the well, two makes buttons. Sense. If you have yeah, like you're the gonna run to the outhouse and then back. If you get the full body, aren't you people that want to live in the old days? I just don't get it. Uh-uh. People that are like, oh, it was so much purer back then. It's like, yeah, we we right. went to the bathroom outdoors. I don't remember you know. the old days when you could die from polio. Yeah, it was, it was just like, yeah, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I, I, yeah, I saw a comedian talk about that too. He was like, when I was a kid, we didn't have peanut allergies. Like, yeah, we did. They're called unexplained deaths. <laughs> like, we had things. Stop acting like it was so great. Right. I mean, I do, I would like to visit. Yeah. With all of my immunity intact. But you would go crazy to go visit the past. First of all, we act like, oh, we've gotten so woke, but we're all, we're all so alarmed by like people. Kids were running around in eighth grade calling each other gay as a pejorative every day. Right. You would not be able to handle it. It's called now. the 90s. Right. Yeah, it was just called the 90s. You just like. It's very offensive. Everything was so offensive and unhinged. And the way and, that people talked about each other's weight, each other's moms, oh yeah. each other's. Fat shaming was just what you did. Yeah. It, I mean, boys. How else are these fat people going to learn unless I, we shame them? That's just what we thought. Yeah. I mean, and you think about the locker room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was, and I'm sure a lot of that still happens, 
Yeah. But. Well, in your house, maybe. It, it's considered. You're very insensitive. Not, no, I'm with you. I, don't, I think I want to go back further. I think you just assumed I was oh, going back go, to the 90s. You're going back. I, I want to go back and check out the 1890s. You oh, know what I'm saying? it's going to be a great time to be you. 1790s in particular. Dude, 1780s? Come on, bro. Go yeah. hang out with Hamilton. Yeah. I'm sure he'd love to talk to me. So. Mm. <laughs> Like you're going to be the subject of a. Oh, and that'd be to blow his own, blow his mind. Be right. like, hey, you. You know Broadway over there. You mean that street over there? Yeah, Broadway. Someday we'll have. You know. Yeah. People th- will pay thousands of dollars to see someone rap about you. Right. And he goes, "What's rap?" And you go, "Buckle your safety belts." He goes, "What's a safety belt?" <laughs> <laughs> well, then I start rapping for him to yeah. show him, and that's when. Right. Yeah. He's like, they burned me at the stake or something. Yeah. They did that a lot. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, he'd, he'd, have, to, he'd have to find out from you that he gets assassinated. <laughs> you know, right. He's learning too much. He's learning about rap. He's learning about his own death. He's like, he's learning about there's a Broadway. song called I'm Not Throwing a Shot. And you see, it's really, it's, it's really it's ironic really cool. because later on, you're going to shoot into the, oh, oh, I've said too much. You know, like, <laughs> Wait a minute. There's no way I lose a duel. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, bro. Don't shoot into the air. What if he would have? What if he would have shot Aaron Burr? What if you go back and you alter history because you tell him? Right. Yeah. So I'm saying. Uh, I show up. He shoots Burr, or doesn't even show up at all. Does Hamilton become president? That's the question. Which most people would think not because of the scandal that he, yeah, you know, put himself through in order to keep everyone from thinking that he had uh, hurt the government the treasury side, right? Yeah. That he had done something shady. So instead he let them all know that the shadiness was actually in his marriage. Yeah. But all of those guys had affairs and stuff. They just John, all didn't stop protect. Stop right he was it. a man of his time. No, we I'm not saying, cheated. I'm not saying it was okay. We I'm just saying all cheated. No, we didn't. Some John. of those guys still became presidents. What I'm saying. I didn't cheat in the 1700s. No, you did not for the record, for the record. That'd be great. <laughs> he finds out about his own death. And he also finds out again, how would he feel to find out? That the plays, you know, most every character is being played by people of color. Yeah. And that there's like also a lot of altering of the actual facts, you know. And a lot of affluent white people now pay money to come see your story be retold in uh, other characters who are, uh, yeah, they're people of color. Right. Which I, which I love because I, I do think that affluent white people also need to. Pay attention to the fact that there's other people in American history and the stories that we don't get plays written about often. So I, th- I like yeah. what, you know, Lynn Manuel Miranda has done here. Lynn Manuel. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Lynn Manuel. It's a tough one. It's like, uh, the one for me is physician's assistant. <laughs> it's a tough one, right? It's physician's assistant. This, this physician's assistant is making a mockery of this entire judicial system. <laughs> <laughs> It's tough. Johnny, speaking of making mockeries. Yes. Um, these ads are not going to do that. I hope. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> speaking of the opposite. Uh, yeah, let's nice take, save. Yeah, no, no problem. Let's take a moment and hear a word from a few of our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. 
What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Johnny, if anything, mm-hmm. segues are my my masterpiece. Like yes. you know, I, I come up with them, and it's your wheelhouse. Yeah, that's what people say. Didn't we figure out what wheelhouse came from? We did. I can't remember what it was, but we we figured it out one day. Yeah, like where that came from. Wasn't it a ship? I don't know. It means like you're in your groove. It's your. It's your. Right, I know what it means, but I'm just saying like that's how we use it. But I just wonder how it came to be, and we figured it. it's 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 a grain or it's a ship or it's a something. Maybe it's a bridge. Why do we even do this show if we're not gonna? It's a, like, we're not actually it's learning a house, anything. It's a house with a wheel in it. It's probably got gears. I thought the whole point of this show was to learn. Yeah, um, I always heard it used as far as like uh, basketball. Like you give him this ball, you give him the ball right in his wheelhouse, meaning he can just like. He's going to his specific set of skills right then. Like Tim Duncan, if you get him the ball and he is if he is seven seven to ten feet from the basket and he can just turn and shoot a bank shot, that's Tim Duncan's wheelhouse. Right. You caught him right there. Yeah. Whereas if you give it to him at the three point line, he's gonna pass it off and then go down on the block and right. get into his wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a literal house that he gets into. Oh, that's great. I don't know. I like the I like the old wheelhouse. I don't know if I have a wheelhouse. I don't know. I'm not sure what my wheelhouse would be. Well, I think it's comedy. Obviously. Well, just not every, but not every kind of comedy. Like I have a we have a mutual friend mm-hmm. who you don't know this. I mean, you may or may not know it, but he's uh, one of our former students, and he's trying to get into improv now. And we're like, oh, that's really cool. And he reached out to me for advice. He's like, how do you deal with nerves? I got to do this audition. I'm like, oh, you got this. It's gonna be great. And I was giving him some advice. Can you like mouth who it is? No, we're we're videoing this. No, okay. I'll tell you after. Okay. Because I don't know if he wants it right into this. But one of the pieces of advice I gave him, I said, I, don't, I said, I still get a little nervous. I said, but when I was beginning, I was nervous to the point of like almost being sick. Yeah. And I said, and I had no confidence. So I saw some interview with Dana Carvey or somebody talking about they had stage fright all the time. And they said, so, but I was an impressionist. So I would just do an impression of a confident person. Yeah. And what would a confident person act like in this situation? And I would do that impression. And he goes, and the best part about it is the audience doesn't know it's an impression. Right. I was like, that's really good. So I've always thought of that. Whenever I don't feel confident or I feel a little bit out of my out of my wheelhouse, as mm-hmm. it were. Mm-hmm. And improv is one of those things where I definitely feel is a totally different skill set. And uh, I, like, I feel like I'm quick-witted and all that. But if you go, let's play this improv game, I immediately go, oh, boy. Like, I don't want to. I like knowing my lines in advance. Yeah, I remember like I went on this pastoral retreat thing with some other guys from other churches and we played Quiplash for the first time. Yeah. And I won. Mm-hmm. And I was a little surprised because it 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 makes me nervous to have to be on the spot with it. Yeah. Like I, if I'm, I want to develop something. But yeah, then, like we roll tape for whatever, 30, 45 minutes on these shows and we, we do every week and we have to just talk about whatever – and I know that I want there to be some funny moments, but I just feel like, well, they'll come in the name. But it's not like we have to have pressure to be funny for 45 right. minutes. We're just being ourselves. Right. That's okay with me. But if you go, we're going to do an improv comedy show, 
Throw yeah. out a job. Throw out a, you know, a state. Yeah. And then I got to make something out of that. I'm like, maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't be. No. You get your money's worth. No, absolutely. Well, I remember doing, uh, and again, this sounds like I'm yeah. tooting a horn. And it's really not. Yeah. Um, I remember that I got rave reviews. I remember that I time. Uh, uh, when we were going on Good Morning America, yeah. it was nerve wracking because you knew the amount of time you had and suddenly you talk about the economy of words with comedy i felt that pressure sure. of like they got a hard break they're coming up against right and they're going to come to me and i'm going to be one of two people talking in this interview so mm-hmm. now we have to figure out what each other may say yeah uh, and we did we didn't just like script it i mean because reggie said some stuff i'd never heard him say before and it was great and i think i said some stuff that wasn't in my practice but you said some stuff that wasn't English, which I, I thought was odd. I couldn't like, believe that it. Is like, wow. Weird. That's a dead That's, language he just... <laughs> John's speaking Latin <laughs> on national television. But like that idea of, if I don't get these words right, yeah. then this opportunity passes. Right. You know, That's a that, bummer. Yeah. It's like, a weird one. I need to say, if I get off of this and there's a couple lines I know from the book or from yeah. the other interviews that I don't just make sure I get this in. So I would... We so, made it... Uh, the publisher... The marketing people, we called it what was sticky from the book. Mm-hmm. So I made pages of like sticky quotes. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. this is what will stick with people. That's good. And then tried to make sure I memorized those things that I would, I would talk around them in different words, but that, that, that way of saying it, that phrase got in there. Yeah. That's good. I used, there was a, somebody that did Ted talks or something or that was doing a, I think it might've been a guy who came in to do a conference uh, with a bunch of the compassion uh, international advocates who go out and do speaking at events and he was talking about creating drama when you're giving a presentation how to create like a cliffhanger that you then resolve Mm -hmm. at the end and he was talking about universal takeaway that's the phrase he used right what's what is if somebody says you spoke for seven minutes can they summarize it in a sentence or what are they saying in the car on the way home yeah that's what he called universal takeaway that is going to be universal to everyone in that audience. They're going to get that from it. And it needs to, if you can't figure out what that is yet, you're not done writing the speech. Yeah. And I think in a comedy show, that's why I like to like change gears. I like there to be different segments in the show. I don't want to just be like, cause it's always just a guy talking for an hour, which is already hard. And I don't move around a lot. That makes it harder. So I'm like, I'm already thinking of those segments in my show. Like, all right, what do I want them to be repeating on the way home? What do I want them to remember? And so you have to know that about yourself and know what's missing so you know what to add to. Remember for a couple of years there, when I first became teaching pastor, I would end every message with what I call the take-home box. Right, I remember that. Yeah, and I would have one to two little bullets mm-hmm. that I'd already talked about that like, all right, because I wanted that. Like when you get, I want you to take this with you. Yeah. If you don't know what it was, this should be the right. leftover that stuck with you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And then we stopped doing that because I'm not sure it mattered. But, you know. No, I think it was great. And I think you blew it by going away uh, from it. Well, I preach a lot shorter now. Yeah. So maybe I could, I do, I don't set out to make two or three points generally anymore. I, yeah. I set out to make one thought with other thoughts around it. It might have, it'll have multiple thoughts, but I think that's part of the key. Instead of thinking, I got to get this much information. Then yeah. I think, what could be one thing? Um, then if you only have one, you don't have to have like, they all have to start with the letter T. Well, yeah. Just be like, look, this can start with whatever letter I want. Whatever letter. I, the, 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 there's really 26 options. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, and occasionally I use an asterisk to start, which is weird. Yeah. It's like, ooh. That's, that's, right. that's like, and when, then there's like something at the bottom that says void in the state of Kentucky or whatever. Sermon not actually by John Driver. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, cited from sermons.com. So, 
Yeah. But yeah, that's fun. And I, I, but I like that being very like, not self-critical, but self-aware enough to be like, all right, this is how, this is an opportunity. I know it's big. Like, I don't love the idea. Like there's a thing where you can get crippled by thinking every moment, like I'm being judged and I've got to, you know, I'll never, this may never come again. That's, that's crippling to think that way all the time. But then there are some moments in, if you have a career where you speak or you whatever, like you know it's big, and to try to pretend that it's not big right. is not helpful either. No. To go like, well, look, whatever happens will happen. Like, no, no. this is worth working hard on. Right. Because it is a big moment. Don't pre- d- don't don't take it for granted. Yeah. You're not honoring the gift if you take it for granted. Like yeah, the that. line between pressure and preparation yeah. is really hard. Like, even with my daughter, there'll be times it's like, hey, I know this is going to make you feel pressure, but we need to prepare for this. Yeah. You know, what are you going to say in this situation or to the teacher? Like, you know, so what we do. And then you go, I'll be the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have made her practice. Yeah. yeah. I told her like, you know, because she's, she's beginning. Do you do Charlie Brown? <laughs> <laughs> you do Charlie Brown's <laughs> That's what she's hearing. <laughs> that's what she hears. <laughs> yeah, that's always my, I used to, uh, I used to, when I was preaching, because I would have a timer, I used to have it end with crickets. And then I would tell myself, when I start hearing crickets, that's also what oh, they're hearing. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, so that would know. Yikes. Uh, but uh, there's this idea of it's, I know, it because but then that's too much pressure. I get nervous. It's like, yeah, but trust me, you'll be way more nervous yeah. or you'll have regrets if you go in there and you did not say the thing you wanted to say, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, I remember Seinfeld talked about getting ready for his first Tonight Show. He'd been doing comedy in the New York scene for five years or so. He finally gets to Tonight Show. He knows it's a big deal. He knows it's a career-making deal. And so he I've heard interviews with him talking about it. He would go run in the city. He's a big jogger, and he would jog in the city, go over that. He would do that spot, that five minutes, five to six minutes. He would do five times a night at different spots in New York. Or he, If he was doing an hour, he would make sure that that was in order or at the first part of his yeah. show. He was running that. And he said then he would run around the city every day, and he would go over it in his head, or he would listen to it on tape or whatever. He was like, my goal was that I could do this five minutes if someone was punching me in the face. Yeah. Like it was so muscle memory by then, but I didn't want it to seem red either. So you can't, right. like that's to make it feel natural, then you got to practice that. And like, there's something to that. I just like, but like take the process seriously, but then not take it so seriously that it becomes like crippling to you. Right. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Because if you go, this is everything. And if I blow this. I'll not even be worth, you know, while yeah. as a human, like that's not right either. There's a, there's a blend of like taking it seriously, honoring the gift, but also like, you know, being loose enough to really give your best. Well, not in athletic circles, but certainly in artistic circles, you should never think that what you're about to do is your best. Yeah. In some ways. Right. You should always assume I'm going to be better after this. Right. I need this to be the best for where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. A snapshot of my best right now. But remember, you'll have opportunities usually. They yeah. may not be this one, but you'll, you'll be able to grow. That's the hard part. You may miss of something, miss an opportunity that you can never come back to, but you can't predict what's next. So yeah. Johnny, some of this, uh, actually segues well into John, uh, gonna... the next segment. Uh, uh, John's quote of the week. Yeah, it's uh, something we like to call They Talked About That. People think that's a clip, but we actually have a horn section. Right. There's... We bring in every week. <laughs> every which week. I think it's a lot of money. The overhead of this show is... I know. 
They sit here silently the whole time to do that one Thank thing. Thank you, guys. You, you yeah. guys are done for now. Appreciate you. Good yeah. job. Um, Jean-Jacques Rousseau okay. said, People who know little are usually great talkers, while men who know much say little. I don't know what that says for this show, but <laughs> it's not good. People who know little are usually great talkers, while men who know much say little. I think that goes into some of that biblical yeah. um, wisdom of... You know, everyone will, you can actually, even a fool can be thought wise if they're willing to not just talk the whole time. Right. Right. What's the Mark Twain better to be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt or something like that? Right. Be silent and be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah. That's, so he was basically just hijacking the Bible. Yeah. That Mark Twain. And Rousseau a little bit. And Rousseau. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I often wonder because I, we talk for a living to your yeah. point earlier. And so there's a real, I was talking to someone about they're they're looking to move into the next step, maybe of some ministry things. And they're kind of exploring whether some of that deals yeah. with more teaching in a public setting. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said this before, I'm sure, but it, it bears repeating, Johnny, mm-hmm. um, that I believe the most important thing about being a public speaker or a writer is actually having something to say. Yeah. You can deal with your delivery, but it, do you have something that's, not just unique because then you can get caught in the weeds there too. I see people try to take a scripture that's obvious. It's obvious what God's trying to say, but you want to find your spin on it. Yeah. And so you, you know, I've, I've been guilty of that. And you, you, you inadvertently then sort of steal the thunder of the real truth by trying to make it something, you know, you're yeah. overcomplicating it. People have thought this meant this for 2,000 years, but here's what I've unlocked. Right. And you're like, well, maybe you're just wrong. <laughs> maybe listen to the other 2,000 years. Maybe they people. knew yeah. something, yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's that there's that danger, but having something to say that you're inspired by yeah. or that was a for in, in the preaching world that already preached to me, like, oh, this, hap- this was something that I – that came to me this week that right. helped my personal, life. Personal always right. trump some weird, like I'm standing above you and some like, I'm, I've got the uh, enlightened viewpoint on this versus right. like this hit me between the eyes this week, y'all. And here's why. Yeah. Like that's always going to ring more true. Always. And I yeah. don't ever want to stand up there without something that like, I, I want to be being formed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like, like when you have done this preaching thing now, I don't know over 2000 times. So it's not like, Every time I have some, some thing, but I'm, I'm usually in motion and a lot of it is confession, but I'm usually in motion about something. I think God's yeah. pretty faithful to like, Hey, you just be in motion and I'll make sure that you right. have something to say, but you being in motion will be what probably speaks you know the most. Yeah. Like a pastor that always is using scripture to indict his audience. Yeah. It gets so exhausting. So when you see somebody who's like indicting themselves yeah. a little bit with scripture, or they're saying like, this really convicted me this week. Yeah. It immediately makes you lean in because you're like, okay, he's trying to, he's being real. He's being vulnerable here versus like, I have this secret super handshake relationship with God that you could never have. And he's revealed to me this truth this week that I think will help some of you. Right. <laughs> like, I'm already like, here we go. Yeah, here we go. And I know that there's a time and a place to to be like, like, we want our pastors to be, have a spiritual relationship with God. We want them to know more than that. Like, I get that. You want them to know. And like, they, it's their job to study the Bible. I get that. But this idea of like, just be real with people. Don't Don't pretend that you have to be perfect or that we won't listen to you. Like, I think that's over. I think that era of Christianity is over of like 
the perfect pastor because we just know it's not true. I don't think it's over everywhere, unfortunately. Well, I mean, it, I, for, for me, there's no way I would ever go somewhere where it's like, oh, he's the oracle and can never be. He's the untouchable But there's one. still quite a bit of circles. And we, we've run in some circles before ourselves, but there's still quite a few circles out there and that where there there is a a person on the stage yeah. that is above the rest of us. And I think that the reason it works is people really want that. Mm-hmm. I've been reading again, this, um, this Japanese theologian, Koyama, Kos- Kosuke Koyama. And he talks about that a lot, that an idol by definition is something you can hold in your hands. Mm-hmm. So, or an idol is a visible God. Yeah. Like if you have a God that you can basically contain with your hands or with your vision, then most likely it's something you've created. Yeah. Right. Because God doesn't need, uh, he doesn't need your holding. Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed to be a God that holds you is what he says. So instead of you holding when, when idols, when you hold God, the real God is when you know that God's holding you. And yeah. this sort of idea of when I can, and, and you can take good things. Idols can be really good things. Like they don't have to be, all bad things. There's just something that I elevate and I make a religion of, of my own making. Yeah. And that's what we do. I think when we want a great speaker or a great leader, uh, to be above it, it's just human humans do yeah. that. And he even talked about how the Israelites did it. Like humans make idols when they're, when they're lonely or scared. So they go into the desert, right? They've seen the fire. They've seen the Red Sea. They've seen, you know, their deliverance from Egypt. Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days and does not come down. And now they're without their leader, right? So yeah. they're, they're, they get lonely or they get scared. And what's the first thing they think to do is they make an idol. Right. And that's what we do in that. When I'm isolated from things, I might not go fashion a golden calf. I mean, mainly because I don't have that much gold, Johnny. Right. But um, if I did, I wouldn't know how like to fashion a, paper, a calf. You could do like a paperweight, maybe. Right. I might. If I was going to melt down gold, it would just be a big, just clump of something. Because I would. How would you even you shape know, those it? Little nuggets that you used to wear around. Remember the pendant? Era yeah. Of the nineties where you just wore it on a chain, like a little, little nugget. nugget. Yeah, I'd let that's, the that's gold. What, that's what you would have, and be like, "Hey guys, look, we're all going to worship the golden and nugget." Like, I don't like this. Yeah, this is this not. Feels... Can make it look like anything, you know? Maybe it looks like something on its own, but the, the point of that is obviously. Yes. I think we do that whenever I feel discontented, disconnected, yeah. or you know, in a place where I shouldn't be. My first inclination is take matters into my own hands, right? Or find something else to put confidence in. Yeah, yeah. And so that becomes you know that because it, it's sitting sitting for forty days without being able to see. Yeah. <laughs> what God is doing, that's uncomfortable or that makes me feel scared. Right. So it's just an interesting idea there. Well, and to, to a point about the earlier thing we talked about, which is like when I feel insecure as a performer, I pretend to be confident and the crowd doesn't know. Like, I think that can be so toxic in a spiritual standpoint. If somebody comes out and is like confidently saying yeah. the wrong things. They can still get a crowd to be like, well, he seems like he knows what he's doing. Like, we have a lot of that yeah. happening. Where it's like, you just have a lot of really good salesmen uh-huh. who are under the guise of preachers. They're just really charismatic people. And so, like, yeah, if they're not really, really, like, on their face before God and doing the right stuff, like, they're just like, this is a good thing. I can sell this. Well, it is very, it is, uh, strangely to say, it is very sellable. Yeah. Especially the gospel that's about you're accepted, 
Mm-hmm. Um, or the gospel of outraged is also very sellable. Sure. Or like we're we're we've got it right. Everyone right. else is outside the circle. You That's can be. A very, it's becoming very popular. You can again. be right if you just be yeah. like us. And, and like gatekeeping is just a very when you have to gatekeep to keep your idea of evangelicalism going. Like it can just be very. Uh, I don't know. It's it's attractive to a lot of people because you're like, oh yeah, as long as I'm in the circle, yeah, this is a fun place to be because I can just point my finger, right. Any, anybody else outside the circle, I can be like, this is what's wrong with you. And like, it's very, that's a very sellable concept. I'm even allowed to hate. Yeah. Right. I don't have to abide by the rules of my own yeah. religion anymore. So, well, Johnny, I hope that we we're, it. I hope that we're people who know, who know much and say less. I don't know. It feels talk. like we've already talked way too much. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, John, with our This Week in History segment. We call it Talk About Then. John, this week, 1961, the U.S. launches the first chimpanzee, Ham the Astrochimp, into space aboard a Mercury test flight by NASA. Mm. Ham had been trained to respond to lights and operate. It feels like Ham should have been a pig. (laughs) Ham had been trained to respond to lights and operate controls. So he had some training, this chimp did. He survived the mission. Well, that's good. Because you don't want to hear this like, right. it didn't work out. Yeah. And thanks for your service, Ham. Right. He had no clue what he was doing. He's just like, they told me. I, I hope bananas. he got a rank, maybe like Colonel Ham. That's the thing, too, about like you see these police dogs. And I never really thought about it before. Like they honor these police dogs. And it's like, these dogs don't know they're cops. I don't know. Maybe they do. You know what You I'm think they're just doing it for treats? Yes. Okay. They're just chasing down the bad guys' quotes. Like, I'm saying, like, they're just like, get that guy. And they're going, and then they're like, all right, I give me my extra kibble. I don't, I don't know. I think there's something You think these there. dogs, it's like they, a certain kind of dog? I think that they sense danger towards people that they know they're supposed to protect. Yeah. Well, do you think this chimp was like, I want to be in space. <laughs> this is my destiny. <laughs> I think Ham. <laughs> or if he's just like. When Ham was a smaller chimp, this is what he dreamed of, man. He was like, he was, for absolutely. my country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Well, anyway, he survived the mission. And lived in zoos until his death in 1983. So this was, he had a pretty full life. In 61 was when he first went into space. They should have given him an office at NASA or something. Yeah. Maybe he's got a placard or a... I don't know. Something. Should have given him some more. Yeah. It'd be great if they, like, he had a real job. Like, when you see all those shots of, like, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and they just... cut to that gigantic room of people, and it just pans over, and you just see, like, him. He's got a, he's got the headphones on. He's just, he's just like, he's banging on some, he's just banging on some buttons. They don't know what he's just like, all right, that's him. He just put dummy buttons over he's there got, and just yeah, let him sit he's, there. Uh, he's got tenure. We don't know what to do. <laughs> what, you know when they do all the, the pre-flight checks? You know, it's like, uh, medical, check. Uh, trajectory, check. You know, ham. He just starts he just making a bunch screaming. of... I can't do chimpanzee yeah. noises. He throws feces. <laughs> okay. Uh, John, this week... <laughs> thanks for your service, Ham. This week, 1933, The Lone Ranger oh. uh, premiered on radio. The first radio broadcast of The Lone Ranger radio program. It was initially aired on WXYZ, which is... Wow. Not very Those creative. are the callers. Yeah. Out of Detroit, Michigan, with George Seaton, a.k.a. George Stenuous. Stenuous. Voice, voice, I don't know why you would. If you're George Seaton, just be George Seaton. Voicing the Lone Ranger. Uh, although he originally was aimed at children, the audience was about half adults. So the adults immediately caught on, and it was a kind of one of those, like, your whole family could listen together. The opening announcer would say, in the early days of the Western United States, a masked man and an Indian rode the plains searching for truth and justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. 
when from out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver, the Lone Ranger rides again. That was the, that's how they opened the show. But it's very, he, you know. It's great, but. Draws you in. Yeah, but is he really the Lone Ranger if he has a sidekick? Um, yeah. Why shouldn't he be the, he's, uh, he's not alone. It's a duo. Yeah. It's a. Uh, and number two. The formerly lone. If you ever take Spanish. Yeah. Do you know what tanto means? I don't. It means dumb or foolish. No, it does. It, it does in Spanish. Now but I don't. That's not. I don't know what it, I don't know what it means it. in. I don't know which Native American dialect that it comes from. Maybe I should look that up. But I, I don't. That's. I always thought that when I started studying Spanish, I was like, well, tanto. That's. Yeah. Surely they did not intentionally. Yeah. That's not great. I will take this opportunity to tell you because you know I'm always. Um, Are you going to retroactively cancel the Lone Ranger? No, I'm not. But I'm going to culturally. I'm, but I'm going to rep some Ken Burns documentaries. Okay. There is a new one called uh, American Buffalo. Yeah. It's two episodes. Johnny, it's unbelievable. You need to go watch it. I know you think. No, I've seen some Ken Burns stuff. I watched the Dust Bowl. I told you that. But you need to go watch Buffalo. Like it is the American it, Buffalo. It's unbelievable. And just right. to see. In I that mean, I won't believe it. The hundreds of millions of buffalo, like you think it's lies? and then the hunting, yeah, and the poaching, and the just dis- no. and almost down to nothing. They were under a hundred. I don't think I could take it. And I'm the American such an animal, but lover. they came back. Like this is one of those times in conserv. It's like the beginning of the conservation movements, basically. Yeah, and they brought back the buffalo. Um, okay, I think there's over a hundred thousand. If you believe the mainstream media that they were ever threatened, well, you can see the pictures. <laughs> they have photos, but uh, anyway, of us literally threatening a buffalo. <laughs> Get out of here. Get into spaceship. Okay, well, that, that's the thing. Like, what where's the first buffalo to go to space? Size animal. They were like, all right, chimp. Okay, they can do some human things. Let's do this. He can push a light button. We're not risking a human life here. Let's do it. But like, at what point they're like, what about this? And they were like, you know, we're not doing that. We're not putting an elephant in the <laughs> spacecraft. Yeah, the elephant's supposed to be the smarter, right? Yeah, he'd still remember it. Okay, John, the Beatles. This week, 1964, I Want to Hold Your Hand reaches number one. So this is the wow. beginning of the British invasion. The, the, the Kind of the, you know, they do Merv Griffin, I guess, shortly thereafter. It's a big deal. Were you Are you a Beatles guy? This yeah, is, I like the Beatles. What's your favorite Beatles song? Um, I Want to Hold Your Hand. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of... You like the doo-wop? I'm so the doo-wop like side the of things. Dull, when you, the when they the get, original catalog, when it's very cutesy? No, I think yesterday. Their I think yesterday's my favorite song. Yeah, that's pretty great. I mean, it's hard to... Hard to beat yesterday. Yeah. Do you know the story behind yesterday? I don't think so I do. So the, the short version is, he wakes up, he has it in his head, and he thought, this has been written by somebody. Back then, you can't just like Google. Right. You can't go find... You can't Shazam it. You can't figure out. So you just go... It's too good. Someone, I'm stealing this. Yeah. And then he realized that it wasn't. But the lyrics, to remember the words, he wrote scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs. Yes, I have heard this. Oh, my darling, how I love your legs. That's what, that was the original. That was his placeholder. Wow. Scrambled eggs. Oh, my darling, how I love your legs. But I mean. it became the most beautiful, like poignant. But the melody. The melody is unbelievable. I think he should have left it at scrambled eggs. It could have been like a Wiggles song or something. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But man, it's a little risque for Wiggles, I guess, loving your legs, but but lyrically, man. Great. I like, uh, Eleanor Rigby. I think it's perfect. It's, it's a perfect song. It's, it's really sad. Mm -hmm. Look at all the lonely people. And it's, it's got a little bit of religion in it where, you know, father McKenzie does the, the funeral for this lonely lady. Yeah. And then, the line that says he wiping his wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave 
yeah. no one was saved. Wow. Like this idea of like this, this guy's just doing his duties as a pastor, but he's still a little heartbroken that like he didn't get to preach. No one like it. There's something about it. And uh-huh. I don't know where they stood on religion at that time that later in their career, they got into like Eastern uh, mysticism, but being somebody who came up in faith and worked at a church and like, to me, that that song encapsulates a lot of like the loneliness of being a pastor, the loneliness of being a person in the world, yeah. uh, wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? Like the idea of putting on a mask mm-hmm. when we go to church. Like there's just a lot of visuals in that song that are heartbreaking and beautiful. And then the piano and the violin, like I think it's a perfect song. But yeah. it's also not like bouncy and peppy and it's not rocking. It's just really it just hits me in the emotions. Yeah. And like none of their other songs do. So Yeah, you can't deny you can't deny the influence and the talent of it. Yeah. All right, yeah. finally, John, yeah. this week, nineteen eighteen, mm. the Gregorian calendar was adopted by Russia. And the reason there's only one sentence uh that made this interesting to me. This was January thirty first. Well it had to be the end of the war. Nineteen eighteen. They adopt this calendar. The, you know what the following day was? Hold on. When they adopted the calendar, so they go, hey, we're all going to go to this new calendar, meaning everything's getting ready to shift. And I had no idea this happened. Leap the, year. The next day was February 14th. Okay. I don't know how that happened, but can you imagine trying to get people on board with that? Hey, uh, we're going to make a government decision. Tomorrow is two weeks from now. <laughs> what? Okay, okay, wait a second. I'm not following this. It says here. January 31st, 1918. Oh, they the, skipped two weeks. They skipped two weeks because to they catch adopted up. a new Gregorian calendar. <laughs> I thought, I thought so they like, just had to tell their people, tomorrow's Valentine's hey, tomorrow's Day or something. Valentine's Day. They're like, I didn't even shop. <laughs> I don't know if it was, I don't know if anybody was shopping for Valentine's in 1918, but. Wow. Can you imagine? It's like you just, th- you threw everybody two weeks into the future because you just. Yeah, you just lost two weeks of your life. It'd be life. like if we decided, decided to finally adopt the metric system and just like what that would do to our country, the whiplash of that. Right. Sorry, we're, we've decided to finally get on board with the rest of the world. So tomorrow, this is the centimeters, this is the kilometers. You'd yeah. just be like, there'd be uprising. Well, we still, we do use centimeters a lot. Well, not a Dude, lot. Nate's, Nate's bit as George oh, that, Washington. Yeah, it was doing great. That. I mean, that. Because it is, so we do, we like, no, no, we use this, but not this. Like, it's yeah. very, yeah. We're like, what, uh, 2,000 pounds shall be a ton. Well, what, what's 1,000 pounds? No, no. one knows. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Anyway, so yeah, so yeah, that's a, that's a big, that's answer. interesting. That's a big day in Russia's history. They're just like, you know what? Tomorrow's February 14th. Yeah, Deal with it. Yeah. Their two weeks are gone. Yeah. No two long. weeks notice, Johnny. Some might say. Yeah. If we're going to write that book, that'd be the title. No two weeks notice. That's right. Hey, you know what, though, guys? We'd like to give you notice about our website. Uh, talk about that podcast.com. John, you can go to that upper right hand link, click on that, support the show. That's how you get ad free content. We love our sponsors. Maybe you want ad free content though. That's how you get it. Yeah. And then we love our patrons, by the way. Also, if you want to send us a note, people send us kind notes and unkind notes. You can send those at the bottom right hand link. It's a yeah. quote bubble. It's how you send us a message. Yeah. I think the direct link to that is hello at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. That's very creative. Just send us an email, hello at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Very creative. Yes. Yeah. We love our email. We respond to our emails uh, yeah. a lot of times. So uh, thank you for that, listeners. Dear We're actually listeners. working on a new website. It's going to be coming out soon. We are. It's being redesigned as we speak. Yeah. The wheels are in motion. Right now. It's in somebody's wheelhouse. That's right. <laughs> you should check out johnnyw.com, J-O-N-N-I-E-W.com for all the latest tour dates. The dude's everywhere. Go see him. It's a fun, fun I'm show. Not every, I'm not omniscient. Well, Wait, omnip. 
omnipresent or, or omniscient, omniscient. <laughs> obviously, or you would have known what omniscient meant. That's, but I, but I'm different places at different times, like a human being. Okay. Like a chimp flying through space. That's right. As it were. Just a temporal Just pushing buttons being. and trying to keep it together and live in a zoo maybe later. Just a buffalo on the plane trying not to get shot. So, yeah. So check him out, man. It's fun. Guys, it means a lot that you join us every week. Thanks for doing it. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.